Our lives intersect the lives of other people, groups, or even whole governments. What happens next is what I explore in this podcast. Welcome to Intersections. I'm Brett Dickerson, your host. Welcome to Intersections. I'm interviewing Robert Ruiz. We're going to talk about Mexican Independence Day. You know, we just kind of passed that in September. I was in the crowd for that over on uh, Southeast 44th over there. It, it was a marvelous crowd to be in. I, I love to get right in the middle of a crowd yeah. when I'm covering something like that. So from, from yeah. a perspective, an outside perspective, what did you think about, you know, what, what, did, what did you see there? What was your recollection of kind of well, what was going just, on? Well, uh, how uh, peaceful the whole crowd was. You know, everybody was respecting everybody else, or there wasn't anybody, wasn't anybody acting crazy, which, you know, usually in a great big crowd that's kind of open-ended like that, or it's in a parking lot, and, you know, somebody's going to show up and been taking too many drugs or drinking or whatever. I didn't see it. <laughs> I'm sure the people there had been drinking and they were selling beer, but I, nobody was acting crazy or anything. It Whoa. was, it was, it was great. Matter of fact, I had my camera with me, which always makes people more nervous. One of the, you know, the uh, the upside of of me shooting my own stories is that I can I can just really link those together in terms of telling the story. The downside is that it's harder to get people to talk to you sometimes when they when, when you have a camera around your neck. Um, if you don't have a camera around your neck, you can always get people to talk to you better as a as a reporter. Even when you say, "Hey, I'm a reporter," you're there taking notes, you're recording what they're saying. Somehow they're they're still not as nervous as when you have a camera. Right. You know, and you're taking pictures but in that crowd that crowd i had several people say do you want my picture you want to take my picture <laughs> it was great it was great yeah. it was great it's like i you know i just seldom go anywhere where the crowd you know different people in the crowd kind of turn around and see me taking pictures of the stage and go you want to you want to take my picture here let's here let me get my friend in here exactly. you know and, you know and stuff like that so so it's pretty funny uh but but yeah the crowd the crowd was just was just glorious it was it was great to be well, in the crowd it may seem funny but a lot of that's on purpose you know, yeah. we, we've spent years with these festivals. Uh, well, we have photographers out there that will just do the candid social, fo- for, you know, photos. Yeah. So it's kind of people see somebody with a, with a camera. They're <laughs> a lot more amenable to to having right. their photograph taken because, <laughs> you know, it'll be published on social media later and they'll see their friends and, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's just all part of the fun. But, you know, we've done. Wow. Okay, Robert, let me stop you right there a minute. Sure. Tell me, tell me how you were involved this year in that matter of fact, you've been heavily involved in organizing that particular festival, probably others also, but seems like it what it was here at uh, Plaza Mayor uh, a few times, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, so, and then it moved over there to Southeast 44th and uh, I-35 over there. So I started the first um, Mexican Independence Day festival that, mm-hmm. I, that I did uh, in 2010. Okay. I remember because it was part of the uh, bicentennial uh, oh, yeah. you know, celebration okay. of Mexican independence. Wow. That was a big deal. Yeah, that's a you big know, deal. It's a big, big, our, you know, the United States 200 years was a big deal. Oh, so, yes, yeah, for sure. 
and we did that at the state fair. Yeah, uh, they were very gracious in allowing us to uh, to you know take over the band shell for a day. Yeah, and do an all day festival, and, and it was it started out very humbly. Yeah, uh, you know we had some sponsors, very few sponsors, mm-hmm. um, and had lo- a lot of local entertainers. And then, you know, it kind of just grew every year from yeah. there. We did it. Uh, so we did it three years there um, at at the State Fair. Uh-huh. The third year, we actually did another uh, companion festival in Clinton, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. And that yeah. one was sponsored by Lucky Star Casino. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was just an amazing experience as well. Um, and then in 2013, I came here. Uh, to Plaza Mayor to become a you know part of the redevelopment right, and yeah. repositioning and uh-huh. I said well you know uh, you know part of the idea is to use cultural development as an economic development tool mm-hmm. and um, so I already have some events that I've been working on and uh, let's just go ahead and move it here so yeah I had a had a conversation with with the state fair that year because they said it was a word so what are we planning on for this year you know it's like <laughs> well I'm sorry to say guys but uh, but you know what we're gonna take our efforts over to to Plaza Mayor <laughs> Or, you know, it was kind of a. We're know, going out with another girl. Now. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> you've been really nice. It's not you. Yeah, it's me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> but it was great because they they continued on with the celebration. Right, so they've yeah. still done uh-huh. uh, a Mexican Independence Day wow. celebration. Yeah. yeah. And so, and that's always done well too. So uh-huh. it's been really neat to see that, you know, we can create different events or we can create seeds for different events mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily take away from each other. They kind of, uh, you know, uh, just add in the aggregate. Kind of, kind of stirs the pot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, so we've never seen, uh, different people's events as, as competition. Right. It's yeah. just things that add more to the options that families have here in Oklahoma. Yeah. It's important for us, especially, um, especially me personally. Uh, one of my dreams is always to start a, a Hispanic cultural center. Right. And the main purpose was that for that was was to give families and especially children the right. opportunity that are not growing up in Mexico or in their native uh, countries in Latin mm-hmm. America to be able to have some access to tradition and culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, extremely important. Right. Uh, because I, I saw the other end of that. I saw communities where they didn't necessarily have access to that. Right. And so you would have this brand new community of, uh, of, of, of immigrants that were looking for opportunities. But then the, the second generation, right. you know, they were losing the connection to right, traditions yeah. and culture. Yeah. And so there was a disconnect between them and their families right. as a result. Right. And so they look for some place to belong. And mm-hmm. a lot of times that's with the, their other peers that are growing up with them in the new culture. Right. And uh, sometimes that can turn into gang activity or, yeah. you know, just not non-productive activity. Yeah. And so for me, maintaining those ties to culture and, and tradition is really maintaining ties to your family. Exactly. And, and what I saw, you know, over my 16 years as a public school teacher, about 11 of those were in alternative schools. And and over and over again, what I saw, no matter what, what the cultural background of the family had been, those young people who had gotten in a lot of trouble and then lost a lot of credits and had to try to catch up in alternative school, maybe even spent some time in jail, They, my impression from them was that they, they had really lost 
any kind of mooring, any kind of cultural mooring or any kind of expectation right. so that the gang becomes their only identity. Their new that's, family. It, that's the only identity they have. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that was true. You know, the first alternative school, I did my entry year in teaching in, in an alternative school here in Oklahoma city um, and uh, Thunderbird day Academy. And, and these were kids that were at the end of the line. Um, I used to tell people when I go to meetings in Oklahoma city schools, they say, where you teach? I say, Thunderbird. I say, well, what's that? And I say, well, if you get kicked out of Emerson alternative school for fighting, you come to my classroom. That, wow. I mean, literally yeah. there was a bit, there was a big fight at Emerson one time. One of the, one of the few really big fights they, mm-hmm. they had ever had. And, and I got six of those guys in my classroom Yeah, that, that they kicked out of Emerson alternative yeah. came to my classroom. Yeah. So, so, but they, but they were all smart oh, kids. Yes. They were, they were, they were all smart. That's it's exactly just, right. it just, they were, they were just drifting. They were just kind of cut adrift so that every offense is a major offense. Any right. insult, anybody, you know, it's just no real zero tolerance sense and, of any yeah. kind of background at all. That was such a contrast for me to stand in the crowd this year at the Mexican Independence Day mm-hmm. and to see how proud everybody was, how relaxed everybody was mm-hmm. to, you know, that there was, there was an anchor with that and, mm-hmm. and, is there kind of a sense um, among Mexican Americans? Uh, sometimes you are further away from your culture in a lot of ways because kids are second, third generation here in the oh, United yeah. States. Oh yeah, no, definitely. You know, and it, and it goes through cycles too. Yeah. I, you know, I've seen this happen a lot with first gener, you know, first generation uh, Mexican Americans right. where um, they are trying to fit in yeah. at school. They're yeah. trying to fit in with their peers. And so sometimes they may even have a, a, a desire to uh, to kind of distance themselves right. uh, from the culture, from the language yeah. even. There, there's there's a part of us that wants to make it okay or wants to make the tradition and the culture cool right? Yeah. Uh, in order for the kids not to feel that they are somehow being, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, different or, yeah, you yeah. know, not be able to fit in with their peers if they go to uh, a dance on the weekend or if, they, yeah, yeah. you know, if they go mm-hmm. see a performance or, you know, right. that sort of thing. And in a lot of ways, these festivals are just kind of the first step. Right. And a lot of it, it's, it's making sure that families and kids maintain the exposure right. and that they see the culture, you know, on a big stage yeah. with a high level of production. Yes. Quality event. Yes. Where, you know, uh, you know, things are happening at the time that they're supposed to happen. Right. That it's not just kind of, uh, you <laughs> thrown know, together thrown thing. together exactly so and and it's very a, it's very a, it's a it's a very subtle thing mm-hmm. because um because a lot of people are used to that in other communities where you know where you go to the you go to the the Mexican festival let's say and then things are kind of just happening when they PA happen PA system and doesn't always work feedback and, and you know <laughs> All sorts of things, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully nothing collapses. No, but, but our goal, it was to create, you know, an event and a Mm -hmm. production level that's on par with any, any other community and, you know, a mainstream community, Mm -hmm. uh, but still maintain a free event. And that's really hard to do. Yeah. You got to really work, work your sponsors, don't you? To get, to pay for quality, don't you? Yeah. yeah, It takes a lot of work, background work. Exactly. And so luckily we were able to, to really partner with a lot of organizations that mm-hmm. understand yeah. kind of the long-term view of yeah. what these are for yeah. 
and uh, support it well, mm-hmm. while actually while also getting kind of a, a really great positive booth a boost of uh, brand association. Yeah, um, with something that's positive. So, do you think do you think businesses that aren't necessarily owned or operated by Mexican Americans or any anybody Hispanic are beginning to see that there really is a significant financial potential out there with the Hispanic culture uh, here, especially in Oklahoma City? Definitely. I mean, yeah. it, so they want to step up and sponsor sometimes some of this oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. Now, you know, for the, Where maybe five years ago, they, they would have said, yeah, you know, that's really not for us. Good luck on that, but you know, it's not for us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So the, the companies that have really spent the time over the past mm-hmm. five to 10 years, yeah. uh, really creating um, the, the involvement with the community, mm-hmm. they've already started to reap the benefits yeah. because it's the only growing demographic, really. <laughs> yeah. When you talk right. about when you start, you know, wanting to make an investment in, right. in different places as a growing business, you know, uh, the only place for you to grow your business is in demographics that are growing. Right. You know, so if you like, if you grow your business to a part where you've kind of saturated the marketplace, right. You either have to, you know, move to mm-hmm. right. establish, you know, find a new marketplace, right. Or you find some place within, you know, your your own area yeah. that you haven't yet right. tapped. Right. And for a lot of people, that's the Hispanic community. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you know, they're great consumers. You know, they usually tend to yeah. buy things in cash. Yeah. If they do uh, finance anything, they're very good on their payments. In fact, right. let me give you a little bit of an example. I don't want to diverge too much. But <laughs> uh-huh. at the at first, when banks were looking at doing what's called ITIN, ITIN loans right, yeah. for car loans, mm-hmm. um, they were charging a premium to do that because, uh, you know, basically the, the reasoning – was that it's a high risk sort of deal? Tell us because, what an ITN loan. So is. ITN is, is a individual taxpayer identification number. Okay, and it's what uh, you know most uh, basically uh, recently arrived immigrants uh, to Oklahoma uh, that don't have citizenship here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a social security number, but they have an individual taxpayer identification number. Oh, okay, that allows right. them to pay taxes. Yeah, because okay. almost all of them do. Right, you know, prior yeah. to you know, contrary to some beliefs, that's uh, what's been lost in this election cycle in it. <laughs> There, yes, yeah, yeah, so they yeah. they pay taxes. Everybody pays taxes. Yes, no matter what, and yeah. they use that number to build credit and right, to yeah. uh, have loans and things like that. Right. Um. So you know, it was just assumed by the the lending organizations that well, we need to charge a premium. Though it's going to be a three thousand dollar fee on this car loan, uh, <laughs> because this is a high risk type situation. <laughs> and after uh, uh, you know, a couple of years of the program and several reviews, uh, the uh, you know, basically the regulars came and said, hey, guys, I'm sorry, you can't continue to charge these premiums because in actuality, these loans are doing better for you, performing better for you right. than, uh, than standard loans. Right, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, just, just a small example of how uh, the community, it's a, it's a conservative community. It's a yes. community that wants to build a great reputation, that wants to stay out of trouble, right, wants to have yeah. a great place to raise a family, yeah. and that sort of thing. So, so there, there's a lot of optimism there. It's a community that definitely wants to prove itself in 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 all things, exactly. I mean, I that that's my impression is just that that the Hispanic community is just just wants to just prove itself in mm-hmm. in just you know top to bottom, side to side, yes. in in all things, financial things, cultural things, everything else. So, exactly. Yeah. So how did how did the festival turn out this year? Now, uh, 
Oh, it was great. You know, um, what it, was your estimate on the crowd? About twelve thousand. We had yeah, we had less. I took a selfie of me in yeah. that crowd because I knew you know about half the people on Twitter wouldn't believe that I was really there. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so, I was like the one, the one older white guy in the crowd sure. out there. You know, and everybody. <laughs> and sometimes I'll hold my camera up like that and do a selfie. Right. You know, with the crowd and people in the background will be going scowling. It's like, what's that guy doing taking this picture? Everybody in the background is like smiling. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best gr- group like crowd selfies yeah. I've ever done, and so it, yeah, it was really amazing. You know, the the last Mexican Independence Festival uh, we had here at Plaza Mayor, it was yeah. closer to twenty thousand. Wow! Uh, wow! Uh, so moving it to kind of a different location, and yeah, yeah. and uh, and w- which is great because you know we were able to talk about the local businesses on that corner, yeah, and all uh-huh. the development that's right. happening there, uh, new supermarket moving in, you know, oh, the, okay. the the marketplace they had, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a building that's being knocked down over there. It's going to you yeah. know, uh, bring in a Goodwill store so mm-hmm. you can actually shop there. Yeah. Uh, a new quinceanera store that had just moved in. So <laughs> it's wonderful because, you know, to be able to use these uh, these festivals, yeah. not just for the sake of the festival. Right. Or or even necessarily the sake of having a cultural event, right. uh, but also using it to promote you know all the economic activity that's happening at different places whether it's yeah. you know here at plaza mayor or whether uh it's at a, it, it, you know in another place mm-hmm. in another district mm-hmm. now i heard this thing on npr where they were talking about the grito you know yeah. and just made it sound like all it is is just this kind of coyote sound mm-hmm. uh, and it and that's that's really kind of one of the less formal parts of of the mexican independence day isn't it and they got some real cute you know little kids trying to do it and stuff and you know it was pretty funny uh, it was it, you know, it was a real cute piece, but it, but it, but showing up for the festival, mm-hmm. um, there was a, um, first of all, I want to point out to anybody who was not there that, that the, that the program started with a very reverential pledge of allegiance to the, to the, to the flag. I mean, it, it started out pledging allegiance you know, not not just waving the Mexican flag and going "Yay Mexico," but it was like, "Yeah, we're Americans," mm-hmm. and uh, started out with a very. I tell you what, I've I've not been any place, and I grew up here in Oklahoma. You know, Republican family and everything else, and I've not I've not been any place where there was as much reverence shown by a crowd that size. Um, I mean, I didn't hear anybody hooting, hollering, talking anything. When they said the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, every hat was off, uh, hand over heart. To the American uh, flag, yeah. To the American flag. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want the listeners to really hear this loud loud and clear before we talk about the rest of it, mm-hmm. that, that that came first. Mm-hmm. Uh, then... Then celebrating Mexican Independence Day. Now, um, uh, tell us first of all who all was on the stage that night um, uh, there, and that yeah, so kind of reminds me. I need to show you photographs so you can ID some of yeah. those people. No, too. I definitely remember. I mean, there, there, <clears throat> yeah. the, there was the a board member from Scissor Tail, the yeah. founder Rudy Alvarado was on stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kelly, she's a, a legal counsel uh, to the Mexican consulate, was on stage. Okay, uh, Nancy Galvan, who is you know she. She helped start one of the first radio stations in Spanish wow. here in Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, uh, she was on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was up there. I don't know why they let me on stage. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, uh, consul Quilantan, who's, okay. who's the Mexican consulate, mm-hmm. he's basically the representative of the Mexican government, right? Uh, yeah, here for this region. Yes, um, they have a, a consulate in Little Rock, Arkansas. Okay, and so the consulate—that's the Little closest Rock, consulate. 
Uh, maybe not the closest, but they're the ones that, that kind of oversee. Yeah, so there's uh, not a separate consulate here in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, though. Uh, no. Oh, okay. No. So they so the closest they come and visit. closest person is Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah. In fact, they come here uh, two weeks out of the month to yeah. do a mobile consulate here in Oklahoma wow, City because wow. the demand is so so big. Yeah. Uh, but there lot, there would be a lot of steps that I would have to take in order for them to establish a permanent okay. yeah. consulate here in Oklahoma. Right. Yeah. But um. But yeah, and you know we've had the had the had the honor of having the consulate with us for now at least four of the right. uh, I think seven seven events that we've done mm-hmm. and uh, it. It does create a different dynamic because all of a sudden the festival has a, a real tie to a formal ceremony yeah. uh, that is being done by a representative of the Mexican government. Right. Uh, and yes, it, extremely important to him and to everybody else that there first is respect paid to play mm-hmm. to the American flag and right. to the country that mm-hmm. is hosting, you know, uh, uh, you know, these families and, and everybody the event, mm-hmm. and uh, and then to 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 do the traditional ceremony mm-hmm. that you would see in Mexico or, or other places um, that basically is a reenactment. Uh, uh, of the first yell for independence. Yes. So uh, you know, I understand what you're saying. NPR and uh, Grito, they're they're probably just doing a reenactment of what you would hear, like during a song. You know, <laughs> somebody hears a song they, they made, like. You know, the impression was this is it. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just it's just this, instead yeah. of saying yeehaw. They go, <laughs> Right. And uh, and so but no, this this the 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 context of this is the yell for independence. Yes. So it's nothing like the other the other thing. Right. Where, you know, it's it's basically reenactment of Father Hidalgo. Right. Who did the initial call and said that, you know, the Mexican people must rise up against the oppressive government. And the Indian Indian people of Indian descent. Exactly. Yeah. The indigenous against against the uh, Spanish uh, Spanish born. Spaniards yeah. who were still in charge of the country. Exactly. Generations in the in the country of oppressive government uh, treating the native Indians like 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 slaves essentially. Right. right. And uh, Father Hidalgo then yes. then just he's about to be arrested. Who's interested because uh, yeah. you know he's a European you know yeah. father from a you know, Spaniard Catholic yeah. you know so, yeah. you know uh-huh. Catholic background uh-huh. but said that this this is wrong yeah you know right and basically incited a, re- a revolution and said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is basically kind of a reenactment of that, you know, ringing uh, of the bell, the ringing of the ringing bell, bell, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. which you know kind of signifies the church bell, uh-huh. and um, and then you know uh, talking about the heroes of the of the Mexican independence, uh, mm-hmm. uh, the war for independence, and um, and saying basically long, long live Mexico, you know, yeah, uh, and uh, it, it it is very very unique, yeah. uh, very very neat to see. It would be as if you know for. For the Fourth of July, if we had a reenactment of Paul Revere's ride every single Fourth of July, that's that I think is the part that gets missed. It, mm-hmm. It's it's been amazing all of the junk that's that, that's been said during mm-hmm. during this election campaign. Uh, but but when you look at the, at the history of Mexico, it's been it's been a search for independence. It, it's hand been in hand. a search for independence the whole time. Very very similar to our own countries. Very history. similar yeah. to our own countries. Mm-hmm. Um, uh yeah, I mean, because basically all Latin America had this yeah. their independent their fight for independence. Yeah. Uh, because it, it was all they were all colonies, right? Yeah, you know, and so they had to to fight against their uh their empire uh mm-hmm. impressors in, right. in the, from Europe and and that happened across the board. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's interesting because there was a a quote from uh 
Cesar Chavez also, I think is, is, is real timely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll have to paraphrase it, but mm-hmm. basically, you know, it says that, um, the maintaining of, of a culture, uh, does not mean it has to take away yeah. from any other culture. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, and that's one thing we believe strongly here that, um, that, you know, for Mexican Americans that are here trying to find their roots, trying to find access mm-hmm. to that. Uh, does not take away it at all right. from uh, any other cultures, from American culture. Yeah. I think I'm a great example of that. I mean, you know, I grew up in San Antonio, bicultural, bilingual, <laughs> and I I basically get the best of both worlds. Yeah. It's wonderful, yeah. wonderful. And then right. here in Oklahoma, I have an opportunity now because because of that uh, that upbringing that I can kind of be a bridge between mm-hmm. two different communities. Yes, exactly. You know, a yeah. mainstream community and uh, a recently arrived Hispanic community who hasn't, uh, you know, is basically a brand new community that needs that mm-hmm. kind of bridge yes. uh, to mainstream society. So it's, it's just a wonderful place to be. And, you know, I'm all the better for uh, having access to both of those cultures. At the festival, in the crowd, this this is why I always like crowd around to get in the middle of a of a, of a crowd. First mm-hmm. of all, you get better photography that way. Secondly, you get to really kind of feel the crowd oh, yeah. where the crowd is. Mm-hmm. And um, um, when it came time for that, for the ringing of the bell, there were just a few of those just kind of halting. Grito shouts yeah. like that, but but it was almost like you know they didn't know if they were supposed to do that or not. Is there is there kind of a self consciousness about that 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 may be too forward, too too out there? You know that 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 other people other people may misinterpret that or or you know something like that. I I really I really sense the hesitation in the crowd. You know. I was expecting everybody to do it, you know, yeah. and and it's like no, it was like four or five people, mm-hmm. you know, kind of around where I was did it. It was almost kind of halting, as you know, or something like that. No, so, you know, uh, so were you talking about when they yelled "Viva" or were you talking about when they just had kind of no the shout, yell? the shout, yeah. So uh, that that's more like a it's more of an emotional thing. You yeah, know? yeah. If you feel it, you know, if you yeah. hear. If you hear something you really like, yeah. or if you if you hear the start of a song that you really love, you know sometimes you just yell. But <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not everybody that does it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's okay. usually sporadic. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Whereas you know when when Consulate uh, Quilantan was saying "Viva Mexico," everybody yes. said "Viva, Viva." Yes, you know, right. Uh-huh. So that's that's something that everybody's expected to. And you go through a list of the revolutionaries, don't exactly. you? During that, there's there's, yes. there's there's this kind of litany there where you you mention all of the all of the uh, all of the big revolutionaries. Revolutionaries during that that yeah that, uh, so basically he period. says viva Hidalgo viva you know you go he goes to the list of all yeah, the yeah. Uh, indep- yeah. you know uh-huh. the, the the heroes uh-huh. and uh, he also talks he, he also says long live the you know uh, uh, democracy you yes. know democracy's yeah. in there and uh, and yeah so he goes through this whole list of things that mm-hmm. people are saying viva you know long live <laughs> and then th- it always ends with three times saying viva Mexico yeah you know that kind of uh, you know, closes out the ceremony. It's just, it's beautiful. And then, you know, they do the final wave of the flag. They do the, the national anthem. And then in comes the mariachi, you know, with the, with the, uh, with this, with the music. So no, it's (laughs) it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And it's nice because kind of in that time frame, you get access to so many different things. You get the ceremony, you get the dancing, you get kind of the dramatic presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, you get the mariachi, you know? So it's like kind of all these things happening at once yeah. uh, where you get access to a lot of different aspects of the culture. 
and the tradition itself. So uh, it's kind of wonderful to experience. Great experience for me to be there, mm-hmm. Robert. Yeah. You guys all did a great job. Well, thank you. And and uh, Robert, Robert, before we close out, I'll let you tell us what it is that you do for Scissor, scissor Tail. Sure. Uh, tell, tell us what you do right now. So I'm, I'm actually president uh, of okay. the organization. Okay. Yeah, Scissor Tail Community Development mm-hmm. Corporation, and right. we're all about strengthening communities. Right. Um, and we use lots of different tools to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're very, um, very focused right now on trying to create better educational outcomes for, right. uh, yeah. for students, especially in low income, uh, right. parts yeah. of town. Um, and so, and we're doing that through very various ways, whether it's trying to help new schools get mm-hmm. established like Crystal Ray or, uh, trying to get new programs, you know, put into the, the schools, uh, or creating new, you know, other new options. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of uh, everything across the board. Um, also helping deal with specific, uh, things like, um, the difficulties that, um, that undocumented students, you know, yeah. dreamers go through. Right. Um, so helping them to be able to navigate the school system to get yeah. into higher education, yeah. doing professional development with the counselors right. to know how to help those kinds of students, doing professional development with the admissions personnel at the higher, you know, in higher education to know, uh, how it is they can better serve those, those students and get them wow. into higher education. Um, you know, just students that are working really hard, that are performing mm-hmm. very well. Right. Um, um, but because of their situation, or because of something that happened when they were two or three right. years old, yeah. are dealing with a, with a whole bunch of obstacles right. that we try to help uh, reduce and, and help them to navigate. Wow, that's a that's a broad spectrum of resources you're offering. Oh yeah, uh, but it, it's it's really all about mm-hmm. trying to give people the tools to succeed. I really appreciate your answers here. It's been a great conversation, and uh, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Oh, no, thank you. I, I appreciate it. That concludes our interview. There are several ways for you to catch this weekly podcast. Go to our website at intersectionsok.com where you can subscribe, listen to episodes, read the backstory, and see photos of our guest. On iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and our Facebook page, we are Intersections Oklahoma. On Twitter and Instagram, we are Intersections OK. I always want to hear about the cool people in your life. So write to me. My email address is ideas at intersectionsok.com. Stephen Tyler is our awesome production advisor, and I am your host, Brett Dickerson.